Hello and welcome to the Central. I forgot for a second. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Central Connecticut AA podcast. My name is Christina and I'm an alcoholic. My name is Eddie and I'm an alcoholic. I'm Nicole and I'm an alcoholic. Um, let's start with the Serenity Prayer. God, God, God grant, grant us the serenity, serenity to, to accept, accept the things I cannot change, change the, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And we do have one announcement about an alcathon. So the Tri-City Alcathon um, is on AA Christmas and New Year's Eve in Cheshire Grange on 44 Wallingford Road in Cheshire. Uh, Christmas, it is on 12-24, noon to midnight. Um, Christmas Day, 12-25, 8 a.m. to noon. For New Year's, it'll be on New Year's Eve, 12-31, noon to 1-30 a.m. And New Year's Day, uh, from 8 a.m. to noon. OBA meetings are on the even hours, starting at noon. Uh, for volunteer and committee info, please contact Kat. Um, and committee meetings, mm, yeah, no, we're good there. We've already missed those dates. So okay. fire in the hole. <laughs> and if you're looking to get into service, Central Connecticut Intergroup can use volunteers. Uh, we meet the first Tuesday of every month at 7 p.m. at Gaylord Hospital in, I believe it's it's at Wallingford. Yeah, <laughs> I never tell if it's Chester or Wallingford. Um, and so if you're looking for a commitment, you can go there or go to our website. And that's cci-aa.org. And then so tonight we have Nicole with us. Um, so Nicole, would you like to tell us a little bit about what your life was like before AA? Sure. I'm Nicole. I'm an alcoholic. Um, thank you so much for having me. Sorry in advance. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> you never know. Um, yeah, so it's so weird because I feel like this, like, I have so much to say on this topic of myself, you know, <laughs> and alcoholism. And yet sometimes when I get in these situations, it's like a completely blank space in my head. So uh, feel free to fire away questions if you see me like staring blankly. <laughs> I, get, I feel that way all the time. Yeah. <laughs> That's just how you look. So, <laughs> so yeah, um, what it was like. Um, you know what, actually I heard somebody say one time, they were like, it isn't what it was like, it's what you were like. Because really like the world is probably reasonably the same. It's like me who is different, you know? Um, and the world looks totally different to me because of the, the things that I've done and the, thing, and the way that God has like come into my life. Um, so what it was like. Uh, um, I grew up in like the best family, you know, I really like can't even stress that enough that there was not al active alcoholism or addiction in my family. Um, I was showered with unconditional love constantly. I have a brother and a sister. Um, I really like came from this amazing life and was dealt a very, very good hand. Um, and what I've learned in AA is that I'm an alcoholic because when I put alcohol into my body, I can't stop drinking. Um, and if I don't have alcohol in my body, all I'm thinking about is putting alcohol into my body. So it took me a while to get here because I think I felt like I didn't really deserve to be an alcoholic. Like, what did I have to be, like, traumatized about, you know? Um, but I just... I'm an alcoholic. So I, I had my first drink when I was about 15 and I drank like an, I drank alcoholically from the start. Um, one of my first drunks, I can remember ish falling down my concrete basement stairs 
and I woke up the next morning in a pile of my own vomit. And, you know, I, I don't remember feeling like that was a reason not to do it again um, at all. So, you know, I sort of felt like I belonged into this, like, elite group of people who drank, and that was cool. So I sort of just, you know, drank in high school, was a weekend warrior. Um, I played sports, I played soccer and basketball, and that was really important to me, so I really only partied on the weekends. Um, but when I drank, I drank to blackout. Um, and I was a blackout drinker right from the start. Really didn't know any different. Um, and I definitely noticed that like there, like in the summertime when I wasn't as actively playing sports, that's when things would sort of take off and then it would be fall again and I would only be drinking on the weekends. So it kind of like, I sort of feel like I had some structure in my life that kept me on the straight and narrow to a certain degree that I was only able to do this stuff on the weekends. And then I graduated high school and I went to college and I had no structure. So my weekend warrior, like that lifestyle went away and I just was drinking all of the time. Um, so things took off from there. Um, I was asked to find alternative housing uh, before Thanksgiving of my freshman year in college. So, you know, I went off to college and um, was kicked out of the dorms before Thanksgiving break. And there was a three strike rule. So, you know, I had some chances, but um, I, wasn't, I wasn't able to like keep it together. Mm -hmm. um, so then I was a freshman with my own apartment and because I had my own apartment off campus, then I needed a car. And um, so now I'm a freshman off campus with a car. And so my, my drinking did not slow down. Um, it definitely, things escalated. And, you know, from there, it was just sort of like a lot of what we talk about at meetings. Um, it's. You know, incomprehensible mm -hmm. demoralization. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of waking up and wondering where I am, where's my car, who is he. A couple years where it was who is she. You know, and things get a little weird when you're yeah. drinking. And um, I just, I don't know, um, just like this deep shame over the way that I was behaving and then drinking to deal with that shame. And so it was just sort of this cycle. Um, I, as a result of like some legal issues from my drinking, I, I, was, um, I was court ordered to go to AA. So at 21 years old, um, I would go to these AA meetings and with no intention of stopping drinking um, but like, you know, showing up at the meetings and, you know, didn't get a sponsor, didn't work the steps and just kind of like showed up and had my court card signed, um, and kept drinking, you know, and I, but I was sort of like, I was sort of listening, like, I, I don't know, some things, things, some things came, like, some seeds were planted there, mm -hmm. you know, and that's why I always feel like it's so important that we are super welcoming to newcomers, um, and anybody who's at an AA meeting at any time for any reason. Um, 
because, you know, it isn't always our job to, like, walk somebody through the steps. Sometimes it's just our job to plant the seed, you know, and it's not my business why anybody shows up. If they're there, they're welcome. Um, and I'm so glad that people were kind to me, even though I clearly was a disaster and, like, in no place to listen to suggestions or anything like that. But because people were kind to me, I was eventually willing to come back, you know, because I knew that it was a safe place to go when, when, it, was, when it was my time. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know, I feel like that's so important. Um, I ended up drinking for a few more years after that. Um, and then things finally came to another head and I woke up in a jail cell and I woke up the same way that I always wake up in a jail cell, which is I'm a victim. I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. And like, why is this happening to me? Why does this always happen to me? And, you know, it's just like my lack of like any capacity to take responsibility for myself is just mind blowing. Like I just, I really didn't see how anything that I ever got in trouble for was actually my fault. Mm -hmm. I really just felt like wrong place, wrong time, and I'm just kind of unlucky, you know, um, which is ludicrous. You know, so I, I woke up that morning and um, was just sort of like upset with the world, not at myself. Um, and I called my boss, who was the owner of a bar, because I was a full-time bartender at that point, um, because I had given up all the jobs that I loved. I worked in animal welfare for a while, and I worked at an animal shelter, and I loved, loved, loved my job. Um, but I had to be there at 7 in the morning, and I was getting home at 4. So, you know, there were times when I would show up and someone would say, hey, has anyone seen you yet? And if I said no, they said, just go home, I'll cover for you. You know, because I was just a wreck. And, um, and I had to give that up, you know. And I think, like, a normal person, if drinking alcohol is getting in the way of their life, they're going to they're gonna change their drinking. You know, and for me, I'm not going to change my drinking. I'm going to change my life. I'm going to change my job. I'm going to change my boyfriend. I'm going to change, I'm going to move states. I'm going to move across the country because I need to accommodate my drinking. So, um, so that's what I did. To accommodate my drinking, I became a full-time bartender. And, you know, it's weird when I say, like, that's the person. I, it was my boss, the owner of the bar who I called from jail to come pick me up. Like, that was my only option at that time. And I don't think I realized that, like, I didn't have any friends. You know, I, th I felt like I had friends, or, I, or maybe I never thought about it, but, like, that's, that was who I called. And she took me out to breakfast, and we had a good laugh about the circumstances of my arrest. You know, because, and that's the other thing that I do, is I like to, you know, s like, self-deprecating humor and, like, make fun of, you know, the cr crazy, ridiculous, embarrassing things that happen so that I can feel okay about it, you know, or, or that I can like distance myself from it and like sort of detach from like what actually happened. Um, and you know, so I, we had a good laugh together, had some breakfast and she took me home. And the next thing I know, I, I just remember taking several showers that day and trying to wash this whatever it was off of me, this like, you know, shame and um, ick the ick off of me and I looked at myself in the mirror and I didn't recognize myself and I really feel like that was the moment for me like that was the turning point where I where where I knew that like something had to change here 
Um, you know what's funny though is I didn't know that it was alcohol at that point. Like I still wasn't there. I, st I was like something is wrong here. I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And um, so a friend came, a friend, um, a regular at the bar where I bartended <laughs> came to pick me up and drive me to my car which had been left uh, downtown. Um, and thank God, thank God that I was arrested that night and didn't drive home. Um, God has always been there for me. I've been very, very fortunate. Mm -hmm. um, but so he picked me up, drove me to my car. I cried the whole way. And I remember getting into my car and holding onto the steering wheel as tight as I could and saying what, what I now know was my first prayer and just saying, like, help me, God. I don't know where I'm going right now in my life. Like, just help me. And I don't know what happened, but I, the next thing I knew, I was at the university's... Um, like infirmary and I was throwing myself on the receptionist's table and saying like help me like I don't know what to do um, and they took me into a room and asked me a series of questions and the doctor was like have you ever thought that you might be an alcoholic you know and I sort of had like you know, alarm bells going off and could remember having been in AA four or five years before that. And I was like, you know what? Yes, like it's occurred to me that I could be an alcoholic, but I really didn't want to be. I really wanted her to just say like, you know, you have mental illness or like you, yes, exactly. Like I really wanted it to be something else because I knew that if I said I was an alcoholic, I knew that if that's what it was, then I wouldn't be able to keep drinking. Mm -hmm. And I just can't, I just couldn't think of anything more horrible than that. Um, and that was sort of it, you know, like she handed me a meeting uh, Arizona's version of a meeting. Yeah, yes, yes, because I got sober in Flagstaff, Arizona. Oh, okay. Oh, yes. Okay. All right. Yes. Um, so she handed me their version of the of a meeting guide and was like, there's a young people's meeting at this place at this time tonight. Go check it out. And so, you know, with my tail between my legs and my hood over my head, I sat in the back row and, you know, showed up late and left early and... But that was it, you know, like that was the beginning for me. Mm -hmm. Yep. And um, like what a what a gift. Like I have I'm so, so grateful for that like horrible best day of my life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like that moment when you're finally ready to surrender Ugh, and be there. What a relief. Mm -hmm. What a relief. The lead up to all that. Mine was not I I came in through the back door. So Ooh, I went geez. through <laughs> I always thought she was sitting, it's never me. So I assumed that she was completely the problem. So she was going to A, her life was getting better and being a buzzkill to me. So I figured naturally Al Anon is a place for me to be. Mm -hmm. So I went to Al Anon and blamed her and I got qualified by it was my higher power was funny. It was me and one other guy who was a who did what Al Anon double and dipper. A, double dipper, yeah, Al Anon A or whatever, <laughs> double winner exactly. So he was there and he did that and we sat down and had a meeting about I because mean, I might have showed up stoned and a little drunk. <laughs> <laughs> and so, I don't know, clearly her. And so we sat there and we talked about maybe how I'm the problem. And that's it. the seeds were planted. And then it's like at some point in time, like it finally came through and I showed up. And I'm like, man, it feels so good to finally say, like, I am the problem or I do have a problem and I'm willing to start addressing it. Like the relief that comes along with that first. Mm -hmm. I don't like you said that you didn't want it to be alcohol. Like, I, I really wanted it to be a brain tumor. I remember I would look up, like, the symptom, and it's funny because like it kind of is like the same kind of similar symptoms, but because it, it's just it's alcohol 
but it's not a brain like I, I like the the blacking out like lapses in memory and not being able to remember sure. words and all these things I really was like one just includes a fifth of vodka yeah <laughs> <laughs> like, maybe it's the alcohol but I didn't yeah I didn't want it to be the alcohol because then I'd have to stop drinking and like that's yeah. that's what was keeping me sane and I, every time I woke up see now she wants to be your friend <laughs> every time I woke up in the jail and it was their fault like I can't it, you know it's obviously not my fault like I, I'm doing everything I need to do and if you guys would just listen to me and do what I'm telling you you need to do everything would be fine mm-hmm. <laughs> I know all yeah I know everything but like I love that you said you went to a young people's meeting like that's I feel like that's so important like find people your age and connect to people like your age like, it blew my mind <laughs> wide open because the first the ones that I had been going to when it was court ordered um I was actually living in New Hampshire at the time. There's a lot of, like, moving around because, you know, <laughs> yeah. trying to get away from myself. Yeah, we're going to get along on this real <laughs> and, well. <laughs> and so I only went to noon meetings at the same oh, place. Yeah. And so it's like I, there was no – I gave it no actual try. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, I just went to, like, this one set of meetings with the same seven people. <laughs> And all of them were, like, a hundred, you know? This whole thing sucks, you know? (laughs) And you know what? And, like, it did at the time, but, but like, I I ended up going back there, like, I don't know, at, you know, several years sober um, because I owed them for a big book, you know? And they did do that. They gave me a big book, I remember, at that meeting. And and it made a very fine coaster for many years. (laughs) Um, But I knew that I owed them for a big book. And so I went back when I was, like, making amends in that area. And I went back to that meeting and the meeting didn't suck. Yeah. You know, it was me. It was you. Yep. It was me. You yeah. just weren't ready for that message yet. I know? just wasn't ready. My and reality is my perception. Yeah. LV, <laughs> same thing too. Like you moved around a lot. That's what I did too. I said I dragged myself around all over the place. I mean, I did oil field for several years too. And I said, I just thought if I could just move around and have my problems, so they would all go away. You know, like I couldn't take them anywhere. And like, there was one point where it was, I had my, the people I worked with and I had the bartenders. Mm-hmm. That was it. You know what I mean? That was my extent to my friend group, and I was perfectly okay with that. And I made, I changed my life to fit my drinking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I had, I could have done so many things. Or you know, say, you know what I mean? I had a really promising um, sports. I was doing really well in volleyball at the time, coming out of high school, and there was a lot of stuff coming around that, like, I had opportunities to go do stuff, but it just didn't fit my narrative. Mm. And so I was like, mm, that's going to cut into this and cut into that. And so I just did whatever it took so I could just continue to drink and continue to hide and do my thing. You know, I, I stuck with a job where I could work from like 4.30 in the morning till like 10.30. Mm. And we were in Vegas, so I could be at the bar by 11. Perfect. And it was, exactly. Oh, the strip you know club this, before this. two. Not a good place. <laughs> Irrelevant. <laughs> <laughs> the specials are great. <laughs> but, same, but I could be at a bar by 11 o'clock. And in Vegas, it's totally normal. People yeah. get off work around this time. And so you go in, it's completely fine. And I just found ways to make it acceptable or seem acceptable like everything was fine even though it was a hot mess yeah yeah i would like no that occurred to me when you were talking like i forgot in high school i was really big into my cheer team i did like the what is it the competitive cheer my parents even bought a cheer jet like at the time so that we could keep doing cheer and then the first time i drank i remember like it occurred to me like i couldn't do both because i also had the same like i immediately was an alcoholic drinker like i had drank so much i passed out my friends called paramedics because they didn't, you know, 15, 16 year old, you don't, you don't know. That's just, you know, if you yeah. drink to pass out, like that's just what it is. And I, I, I knew I couldn't do both. And so the next year I quit cheer so I could like party and I was like, it's my senior year and I want to do this. And like, I don't know, I could have done, you know, could have, should have, could have, would have, but yeah, like I definitely was immediately like changing my life to fit my drinking. But 
and now it's not that way. Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> no, you're, no, I'm just listening. I'm, I'm good. I'm just listening. Thank God it's not that way. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. And that's exactly it. Thank God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. What was, like, your, so you did go to a young people's meeting in the beginning. Yes. It was, like, your experience I was, with God. And, well, so, like, I was, first of all, blown away that young people were getting sober. I had no idea that this was a thing. Yeah. Um, and Is this possible? Yeah. And, like, as a... 25 year old young woman and like I mean that was very important for me to see people like hanging out Mm -hmm. and at every meeting um this guy Mikey Mikey and Flagstaff if you're listening oh my goodness (laughs) at every meeting at the end he would say hey we're going to over to and I forget the name of the coffee place but he'd be like we're going over here for coffee and um bananagrams it's like speed scrabble. Oh, and okay. so it was like what everybody did. And like we would go and chain smoke and play speed scrabble and drink coffee. And it was like that was so important for me. And like I, I am so grateful to him for making that announcement. And like it wasn't a clicky thing. It was an announcement. It was everybody was welcome. And, mm-hmm. and I went and I was like, okay, like I can do this. I can like be sober. Um, But I do, I can remember like, you know, two weeks into, you know, so I started going to meetings every single day. Um, And it was, it was only two weeks before I, I can vividly remember crossing a street and not looking either way before I did so. Like just Mm. sort of being really apathetic about life and, you know, not like wanting to jump in front of a car, but also being like, okay, if one hit me. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's cool either way. You know what I mean? I'll take like, my I, chances. I It'll just, be all right. yeah, like I just was like in this spot of like, you know, I didn't have alcohol anymore. And like, I've learned in AA that alcohol's not my problem. Mm-hmm. Alcohol's the solution to my problem. My problem is me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, fortunately, somebody saw that in me in a meeting and said, well, hey, do you have a sponsor? And I'm like, what's a sponsor? Mm-hmm. Because you don't know. Like, yeah. you don't know if you don't know. People talk about it, but it's like, you don't, you don't really know unless somebody, like, sits you down and explains it. And somebody did that for me and said, like, you need to find somebody to, like, take you through the steps. Mm-hmm. So I heard this woman, and they, and they were, like, very clear that it wasn't important who it was, you know? <laughs> and um, so there was this woman. She had beautiful, long hair. And I heard her say in a meeting one time, I need to keep my head where my feet are. And I was new, so I didn't realize this is a thing that people say. And I'm like, well, she is like a philosopher and brilliant. (laughs) And so I'm going to ask her to be my sponsor. And I did. And um, she started walking me through the steps. And it was so cool. Um, And it was just, I was only in that area for a few more months. And then my dad flew out from Connecticut, helped me pack up my car and my dog. And we made the 3,000-mile trek back to Connecticut and I read the big book to him. Like, I, I mean, I still couldn't even, like, drive at this point. I was so, like, frazzled. But I sat in the passenger side and I, like, read the big book to him. Because I was, this is about three months sober, and I was on fire. Mm-hmm. I was so excited about being sober. Um, but it wasn't because I was going to meetings. It was because I had started the steps. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, and I had started, like, this pathway to God. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and then when I got here, I knew that the first thing I needed to do was, was find meetings. And so I did that. I found meetings. I got sober in the New Haven area. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. it was I've amazing. It, yeah. Before COVID, it was like crazy. Yeah, I mean, I haven't been there in a while because I'm now in Cheshire. But 
I've been, can I say all that? Uh, sure. Sure. <laughs> um, it's affiliating, yeah. Okay. So, yeah, but like. It's out there now. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I got sober in like the New Haven area and it just like was amazing. Mm-hmm. Like people were so excited about being sober and that was so important for me because I really, I, I really felt like getting sober meant that I wasn't going to have a life anymore. Like I didn't understand how, like, mm-hmm. well, what am I going to do? Like, yeah. this is going to be so boring. Yeah, watch everyone else have fun. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I just, I haven't been bored yet. Like, this mm-hmm. is the best deal. Mm-hmm. And um, I have so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> I never thought I'd have fun being sober. Like, I didn't yeah. know what to do when I wasn't drinking. And then I go to meetings, and everyone's like, having fun, having a good time. And, like, I think it's why for me it was so important for me to find my tribe and kind of find the group of guys that I could mesh with. Because, like, I'd go to the original meeting, same thing, and I'd sit in the back. I wouldn't know anyone. I wouldn't get involved, and I felt like, man, this is terrible. And then I finally found the right meetings, the right mm-hmm. people, and started to engage. And I'm like, wow, like you could have fun. You can do all these things without alcohol. And I, yeah. I found there's a greater life without alcohol, and I can enjoy my time and not be bored. Mm-hmm. I just amazing. have to participate. Well, that's the thing, right? Is like they talk about getting in the middle of the herd, mm-hmm. and that's the important thing. And for me, like that was service, you know, and having yeah. good sponsorship, you know, but the direction was like, you need to have a commitment. You need to be involved. And as, as soon as we were done, as soon as she had not done, as soon as she had taken me through the steps, I was sponsoring other people. Mm-hmm. And then she was taking me through the 12 traditions, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And it was like, have a commitment, sponsor people, do that, like, you know, blah, 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 blah. And like, mm-hmm. so you're busy. I was busy. Mm-hmm. And yep. um, that was the best thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've gotten busier in service too lately. And I feel like that's been huge. You know, yeah. when I first came in, we said it was, it was coffee commitment stuff and that. And like, that's what it was. Now stopped. <laughs> stopped kind of with COVID and mm. kind of threw everything off. And there was like that time there was really weird how to get involved, what you can do. And then like stuff like that. And then this came up and now we're, I said every week we're doing something. It's nice to be back involved in doing stuff in AA. Cause it was that COVID time was really strange for mm-hmm. commitments and service. It seemed very weird. Yeah, I came here. We moved here. Well, Eddie moved here from Arizona. I had to go to Vegas and go to rehab first because <laughs> like my people had been there, and so like I was, I needed to go. I thought I needed to go there, um, but it was good. And so I came here from Vegas, January 2020, out of like three commitments. Like my my people, I was with you know my tribe, my women, my groups. You know, going to meetings every day, sometimes twice a day, dinner, the coffee, like everything. And then coming here mid January 2020, and uh, so things were starting to get weird. People weren't really coming to meetings, and I was like. Connecticut sucks like they don't know how to do it here like and blaming Connecticut and so of course I relapsed you know a couple months later because I was in full flight from reality and Mm. collision with God's will and uh, now I know Connecticut's amazing you know Mm. every place is you know it's all the same it's different but the same like it's just and it's it is so nice and it's so much fun like I have like my couple close girlfriends that I talk to we go to yoga and like we're looking up sound healing, like going to a sound bath this weekend. Like, and it, that's things I never thought I would want to do. Like, I, I thought I needed to party. Like you said, like I was part of this elite uh, club of drinking. Like, that's what I thought. Like, I'm just better or I don't know. Like, I, this is what I do. You can say it. Yeah. Like, I definitely <laughs> thought I was better than everyone. And like, but I don't, yeah, like, it's just, I, and this is what I need to do. And, and this is what I'm, makes me cool. And you guys just can't hang. And you don't know how to, like, I couldn't hang. Yeah. <laughs> like, you guys can't hang. But I drank so much I had to take you know, other substances to help me keep drinking more. And yeah, like it just, now I don't have to do that. Like I I like going to sleep at a reasonable hour and I wake up at 5 a.m. and walk my dogs at 6 a.m. And I know a lot of people look at me weird for that, but I like it. No, it's great. Christmas time. Yes. (laughs) Totally. What? I'm just listening today. Apparently I'm giving a look today. That's all right. (laughs) It's just my face. No, no, but it's, it's so nice. Like I said, just to hear about kind of being involved and, um, 
like you said, finding your tribe and finding young meetings. That's something that we've been on and off with finding here is younger meetings. Like you said, it was there was one that was in. I don't know in, if I'm younger anymore. No, like, we are young people. Okay, I know. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's what I say. There we go. <laughs> I'm not giving that up. And and that's the thing is it wasn't just young people, but it was a yeah. lot of young people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we did retreats, you know, yeah, and like there was just, there was always something going on. Mm-hmm. Um, always something to be involved in. Mm-hmm. Like oh, the conventions. There was, yeah, and like, conventions and planning parties and anniversary parties. Just, there was just always something. Um, and a lot of times like you were just voluntold yes. to do it. <laughs> that's how I got this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and you know what? It's the yep. best thing. It's yeah. like, I don't know what's best for me. So just. Whatever, God, whatever you want to do, I'm exactly. cool with. Sometimes I need to be voluntold because I mean, I will resist doing anything sometimes still. And sometimes I just have to have someone tell me, like, this is a good idea. I'm like, oh, well, obviously it is. Yeah. So it's, it wasn't my idea, so it's probably best. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. My brain is still messed up. Yeah. Even after time, I still need some I, my direction. Brain is still, I feel like it's a little, we were on vacation last week. And so I feel like I'm two, three, five seconds behind everything. Like my brain doesn't want to go back to work, back to life. I'm still mm-hmm. on the beach right now. Good for you. I know. <laughs> So what's life like now? What is life like now? Life is amazing. I am busy with blessings. Um, Very busy with blessings. Um, So my husband, who I met in AA, actually, um, like 12 years ago, um, we now, we just, we, blah, 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 blah. What am I saying? We have two beautiful (laughs) children, two healthy, beautiful children, who keep us very, very busy. And I should just say that like, that was not even on, that was not on the docket for us. Like that was not a plan. Um, I was very, I just feel like this is a cool story. If any like young women are listening, um, <laughs> like I didn't want to have kids cause I, we were like, we want to travel and we want to do this and that and blah, blah, blah. And kids are annoying. So, um, and I just, so I, after, like, a few years after we had been married, I remember somebody in my home group in my women's meeting ha- was saying to me, like, oh, like, when are you guys going to have kids? And I was like, oh, no, like, we're not, I'm not interested in that. We're not having kids. And she said, and I don't remember who this was, but this woman had the chutzpah to say to me, <laughs> um, sounds like you're not open to God's will. And I was like, excuse me? Like, what is this woman saying? She was like, yeah, it just sounds like you like really made up your mind and you're not open to like what the plan is. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is so strange. So I told my sponsor about it and she was like, all right, well, why don't you like pray about it? And I was like, okay. So I prayed about it and I can't make this up. Two days later, I woke up with this feeling inside of me that like I wanted to be a mother. Mm-hmm. And I was not happy about this. I cried for the whole day. Because um, I just was like, oh, this is like not what I wanted. But I knew that it was what was meant to be. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, then I just had to like convince my husband. But anyway, I was able to do that. And But it's just like, it's just one of those things that it's like, without Alcoholics Anonymous, I don't know to invite God in. I don't know that I don't know what's best. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that like, I can only see in front of myself and God can see around the corner. Like... I think I want something and I don't realize that like something else is out there so much better for me. Um, so we have the gift of like parenting these two humans, which is insane. Um, and so I don't have like, I'm not able to like devote the same amount of time to like service or meetings or anything like that. Um, so for me, like I'm not, I'm not able, I'm not able to like be, physically at AA meetings as much as I would love to be. Um, 
but I was taught, you know, that like common welfare has to come first in my home. Mm -hmm. And I didn't get sober to be an absent mother, you know, and um, I'm God dependent. So I get to um, have a home group and show up there and be involved in that meeting. And I get to sponsor lots of women, which has like always been a really important thing for me. Um, and I talk to several alcoholics every single day. And so that's like a very important part of my life is that mm -hmm. I'm constantly talking to other alcoholics. I had a sponsor who I would call him and um, he would say, have you called three alcoholics yet? And if I said no, he would just hang up, <laughs> you know, because like that was the deal. Like you have to call three alcoholics before you even call me. Like unless it's an emergency, unless something is really going on, like you need to reach out to other people first. Mm -hmm. And that, um, like I still do that today. And it's such a gift to be able to do that and to be, ta to be able to like always be talking to other alcoholics and to start my day. Like every day I drive into work and I have... <laughs> women I sponsor read the big book to me or read the 12 and 12 to me like while I'm driving into work awesome. and we like do step work while driving mm -hmm. like because it's it still works that way mm -hmm. it really mm -hmm. does you know it's great to have that FaceTime um, when you can but it's um, with two really young children it's really it's really challenging and I know that it won't always be that way too so mm -hmm. I'm trying to like there were some moments where I would like beat myself up about it and be like oh you're like not a good AA member but, you know, I need to give myself grace and know that, like, this is a moment in time and it's really important that I'm, like, here with my family um, as long as I'm placing sobriety first. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, like, a beautiful, amazing life. I have a job I love. Um, like, things have worked out for me, you know? Like, so far from this, this like, shell of a woman who thought that, like, you know, I just felt like I was a victim and unlucky and, like, there was no actual, nothing to point to that being true. You know, mm -hmm. that was just, like, what my alcoholism did to my brain and made me think that, like, everything was horrible. Mm -hmm. um, and I just have this, like, amazing life with amazing friends and amazing people. Um, but because I'm human, sometimes... I don't appreciate all of those things, you know? And I have these moments where, like, I, like, and that's the thing, is, like, I have these moments where, like, I have a meltdown or I get, like, upset with somebody who's not doing what I want them to do when, when I want them to do it. Mm -hmm. And it's been so important for me, like, that's why it's so important, like, to keep coming, you mm -hmm. know, and to keep showing up and to keep inviting God in because I can get upset about things and, and like, until I call my sponsor and she says, how important is it? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I... I forget, like, oh, that's right. Like, how important is it? You know, I, I one time um, was going through some stuff and I was really upset about something and my sponsor was in Thailand because when you're sober, you get to do cool things, like go to mm -hmm. Thailand. And, um, <clears throat> but I had her, her sponsor's number. So I called my grand sponsor and I like rattled off all these reasons that like everything is horrible. And I was really angry with this person. And she said, she said, okay. Um, are those deal breakers, those things? Like, is, are those deal breakers for this relationship? And I said, well, no. And then in the sweetest, most gentle voice, she said, well, then suck it up, buttercup. You know, and just that, like, people are exactly who they're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And um, I think, like, without sobriety, like, I don't realize that. I think, like, no, well, they should be doing this, mm -hmm. or he should be doing that. And um, the other line that I just, like, like just blew my mind was Nicole 
you have neither the right nor the responsibility to point out all the ways in which other people are inadequate. Mm. And it really just like blew my mind. Like I just have no right to criticize anyone. But I like my high horse. I know. But I know, but I have to get off so that high fresh. horse and I have to accept people for who they are. Yeah. But like I said, it's I do find times where I grab the ladder and I climb right up on that high horse and I look around and I'm like, ah. Oh. Well, totally. And I have to be knocked off that because that's, that's when I'm really starting to, man, I think of, like I said, the, um, the director, right? Mm. Like I said, everyone's not behaving the way I want them to behave and I get upset and it's all those things and I have to like I said I get really ungrateful about it and I get really in a place of not accepting things and that boils down to I have to take a step back I have to start with an attitude of gratitude and I have to really let things go and let go and let God because that's when I know I'm starting to grab the reins on stuff is yeah. when I get into those space head spaces yeah it's totally like okay I'm not living in God's will right now like mm-hmm. I am treading water swimming upstream this is not what God wants like I have to let go and um it can be really tricky and I like it's not my default it's not my default to let go and let God it's Mm -hmm. not my default to like you know for love and tolerance to be my code like Mm -hmm. at all um my default is to be on the high horse my Mm -hmm. default is to point out all the things that are wrong with you so that I can feel a little bit better about myself Mm -hmm. and that just you know that comes from insecurity and whatever else Mm -hmm. and like you know being able to like like learning these tools in Alcoholics Anonymous and learning that like I can um, another great line from a speaker I love, she says, I do an inventory when I'm in the mood for freedom. You know, I know that I can like write a fourth step. I can write this stuff down and I know that I always have a part and that knocks me down pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Once mm-hmm. I get to that column, it's like, okay, like let me climb down from here. Yeah. Because yep. yeah. 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 it pulls up so my ego gets in the way all the yeah. time. That's my number one thing is my ego gets in the way. I want to be on my horse. I want to judge and like, my default because it isn't to turn things over and step aside like it's this program for me was an ego deflating program and mm-hmm. it had to constantly poke holes in my ego and it's it's a challenge I still get hit in the face with it you know um, one of my sponsors I was working with I was doing going through the steps and then he called me like an egomaniac and I was like so offended <laughs> like after that session he left I was like F that guy. You know, and I, and I didn't call him for like three weeks because I yeah. was really you upset. showed him. Yeah, exactly. I said, I'm like, you go, baby, I can't, sure. You know what I mean? I mean, I laugh. It's one of those things where it's like, yeah, that's like my default, though, is like, I want to be there and I have to really focus and turn that over or else I end up in that spot all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm just like unhappy. Like when I'm living like that, like I'm not filled with love, I'm not filled with God, I'm just angry and causing wreckage everywhere (laughs) yeah it doesn't feel good yeah and like my tolerance for that is so much lower now like I my tolerance for discomfort is so low it's it's amazing what I was like what I would walk through inactive alcoholism like the discomfort and the shame and and like all those Mm. horrible things and then just the longer I stay sober and the longer that I like attempt to work this program I my tolerance for discomfort is just lower and lower and so it's like I really don't sit in that anymore like I don't it used to be that a bad day was a bad week, was a bad month, was a bad year. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, you know, I have a bad moment, but it rarely is a bad day. Mm-hmm. And it's never a bad week. You know, like mm-hmm. it's, I feel like I'm able to spring into action because I am able to bring God in. And on the days that I forget to bring God in, I'm at least talking to other people who remind me to bring God in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and I feel like that's the beauty of it is like, I can't, you know, I can't sponsor myself, but I have a tribe. I love yeah. that you say that. Like I have these people around me who remind me that like, God's got it. You know, God is massive. Mm-hmm. Whatever my problems are, like God has totally got it, you know? And 
And if I look at the record, he always has. You know, there is like nothing in my life that I can look at and say, well, where was he that time? You know, and I, and I, and that's just like my story. It's just like, it's, it's really been okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Even in moments when I thought it wouldn't be okay, it always was, you know, even if okay looked different than I thought it should. Mm you know, and I think like the things that have happened like in my life are the things that make me uniquely useful to other people and that mm-hmm. I can share those experiences. Like I don't regret the past or wish to shut the door on it. Like I, I'm excited to share my stuff with other people if I think it can help them, mm-hmm. you know, and like what a gift to want to help other people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and part of that is probably selfish because it makes me feel good. Yeah. But, <laughs> but like, but it's nice to know that trick, you know, to be let in on that secret that like, this is not a self-help program. It's a help others program. Mm-hmm. And if I do that, I get a little relief from myself, mm-hmm. you know? And, um, I look at it as it's not so bad to feel like good when you're helping others because like I said of all things I used to do to make myself feel good at least I'm doing something for someone else now for once compared to where before it was all what can I get out of this and feed my ego and burn other people to make myself feel better for sure and this idea like it's not about what I can take from a meeting or Mm -hmm. what I can take from my job it's like what can I bring to it Mm -hmm. and when I go Mm -hmm. in with that mindset I always get more out of it you know sometimes I I like falter and I go into something thinking like what can I get out of this Mm -hmm. and it's not a good time you know (laughs) like I really need to go in thinking like how can I be of service today and like God is my employer Um, and the cool thing about it is that I don't even and I I like to tell um, people I work with like and it, like when they're new to sponsoring and they're worried that like they're not going to be helpful or whatever, I like to tell them like it doesn't even matter if you actually are helpful. You just have to try to be helpful. Mm-hmm. So it's like I, if I try to help somebody, I feel better. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter if they're helped or not. I hope I hope they are, but yeah. it doesn't really matter. Like you yeah. go with I tried. And, yeah, like you have good intentions. Yeah, like that's what matters. Yeah, it's esteemable. You know, mm-hmm. I had a sponsor who would always say like if you want self esteem, you have to do esteemable acts. Mm-hmm. You have to do things that are good. Mm-hmm. I know I used to like hate sharing it like I used to be filled with so much shame about like you said wish to shut I don't wish to shut the door whatever that's saying mm-hmm. uh, like I used to be so ashamed like all these things I had done like in my drinking and like or do, not even like drinking I did things sober too that like I just wasn't proud of and and I never wanted to talk about them and that kept me sick and I'd keep relapsing because I would I'd give the little pieces over and little pieces over and then finally like in this last time when I was like here's everything like I, I can't hold it anymore and, and my sponsor was like it's okay like you know so filled with love and it was just exactly an amazing fist step and now like I don't care I'll tell anyone about all the things <laughs> I did and like if I think it's gonna help them like totally. it's like if I could you know it's like you can feel it in people like when they're ashamed and like just holding in because they can't like they think they're the worst person in the entire world because I used to feel like that nobody's done what I've done you know it's like that egomaniac with an inferiority complex because it was just I I thought everyone hated me like I didn't think anybody loved me but I definitely thought they hated me (laughs) yeah and like and I've I can remember feeling that way even in sobriety like Mm -hmm. having moments where like I don't know like being in a room filled with people who were there celebrating me mm. on like a particular occasion. And I can remember looking around being like, do they even like me? I know. And it's, it's like, I have no reason to believe that. Like I have no <laughs> reason to question these people. Like I have the best family, the best friends. Like I am, I am like loved. I know that I feel so loved, but it doesn't matter because when I push God out or when I forget to invite him in, 
I am squirrely mm -hmm. very quickly. Mm -hmm. And it starts with nobody likes me, mm -hmm. you know, and um, it's it's wild. It just it's insidious, you know, and it, it comes in really quickly. And I'm just I'm just so grateful, though, that like even when those moments happen for me in sobriety, like I haven't thought about a drink in I can't remember the last time. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I can't remember the last time that I thought about a drink. And I and when I was new, all I did was think about a drink. Mm -hmm. And then all I did was think about not drinking. You know, I just was obsessed with, like, not drinking. And mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, I, I just, I only thought about alcohol. And I, you know, I was in a meeting the other night, and somebody was sharing about, like, how many liquor stores they passed on the way to the meeting. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm not even, like, aware of that anymore. Mm -hmm. And, like, I don't know what that, you know, I just, it's not, a, it's not, like, a thing right now. Um and that doesn't mean that it can't come back if I'm not doing what I need to do on a regular basis. Um, but, like, what a gift that God has restored me to sanity as promised, mm -hmm. you know, as promised. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I had my first thought of a drink in a long time. I said it was right before we went on vacation because it was our first big vacation away. Ooh, and, I vacation, was sitting, yeah. and we were going to go sit on a beach. My first thought was, why can't I just be normal? Mm -hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's one of those things that I thought about. And like I said, from being around people is that the first thing I did when I had that thought was go into a meeting and share it. Beautiful. And get it off my chest because it's one of those things like, man, I, where did that thought come from? Because it's like, I know that if I don't get those things out, then they manifest. Yeah, we're as sick as our secrets. Exactly. And as soon as I came up, and I'm like, I know now that I have to go out and go say that. And like I said, I got support. Guys came up, said, hey, like, here's, call me if you need me. What do you need to do? You know, and it's a thing. And it's like, it's good to get that thought out and have it be done and gone instead of just holding it in and sitting on it. Next thing you know, I will be sneaking out of the hotel room on the beach to go have a beer by myself just yeah. because I want one. Yeah. You know? And I think I can have one because I've deserved one, you uh, know, but I have to yeah. go out and go share those things. I was like, that was weird. That for me, the first time since I've been sober in a long time now that it's, I wanted, I like a thought of a drink really crossed my mind of legitimate, like, hmm. But yeah. I can play the, t I'm grateful now that I have the ability to play the tape forward. And know exactly where that goes and what it looks like. And yeah. I have the tools now to talk about it and deal with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like, um, I am one of these people, I always err on the side of TMI. Like I will, I just like <laughs> verbal diarrhea, whatever. And so I call my sponsor like immediately. And even if it's not a thought of a drink, like if it's a thought of just anything like yucko that is like poison to my sobriety mm -hmm. you know I'm calling her and I'm leaving a voicemail and it doesn't matter like if she answers or whatever like I just have to say it like and I'll say like hey I know by the time you call me back I'll be fine but I just need you to know that like I hate everyone right now <laughs> you know and like and that's just like part of my program you know she she jokes she's like you always report live <laughs> you know <laughs> like you know because some 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 people are always will call back and be like we'll call and say hey, like last week was really rough, this happened and that happened, but I'm fine now. But I'm not like that. Like I am calling you in the moment, like this is what's happening. I'm going to kill this yeah. person. I'm so livid. I'll, I'll be okay. But like, yeah. I just want you to, that's so funny though. It's like before I live, let you know what's going on. But like, yeah. for me, I agree. That's a healthy way to get through it sometimes because you said you're, I have to, I have to share too much too. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. forever I will, if I don't share it, then I definitely just sit on it. And if I, sit on it for a couple days odds are i'll sit on it for a couple more days and then i just try to bury it but i have to get it out yeah mm -hmm. it's so important to like have that relationship with the sponsor like someone you can talk to and be honest with and i've had two well i've had technically three but that was like four months and then 
I've had Nicole, my Vegas sponsor, and then uh, who I'm with now, Jess, and my first sponsor. Like, it, she was so easy to talk to, and she talked like my brain talked to me. Like, she would say the things that my brain said, and so I felt comfortable just talking. And I felt like I talked to her more. Like, I was I would report live to her more often, and like with Jess, it's a little less. But like, it just I can still talk to her. I know if I'm in that moment and I need to talk to her. Like, she'll even like she knows like if it's an emergency, like she said, just text me. It's an emergency, and she'll figure out a way to talk to me. And and I know I can talk to her, and she's gone through a lot of similar things, and I can tell her anything, and, and I feel comfortable telling her. Like, it's just so important to, like, find that person. Yeah. I remember, like, when I was new, hearing about people, and they would talk about, like, oh, my sponsor this and my sponsor that, and I remember feeling, like, really envious of those relationships because I, I was, like, you know, new, and so, like, no relationship starts off, like, super close. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't realize that, like, oh, you have to put the effort into relationships, <laughs> and they take time. And so, you know, I have this sponsor who I've had, I've known her for 12 years, and she's, like, moved away and done cool things, and I've had other sponsors in between, but, like, we're, we've been back together for a while, and, like, we were pregnant together and had oh, babies together, amazing. and, like, yeah. it's just been the coolest thing. And um, I found her at this young people's meeting in New Haven, mm -hmm. and, and um, I, I, I was sitting down in the meeting, and this was a huge meeting. There were like 80 to 100 people on any given Sunday. Mm -hmm. And um, is that a song? <laughs> and, um, <laughs> Sounds like it. And <laughs> Probably. <laughs> and so I sat down, and she sat down next to me. There were like a million chairs, but she sat down next to me. So she spotted me, you know, and sat down next to me. It's funny how people know right? yes, you're new. <laughs> totally. And started like talking to me. And then um, this is like a meeting with a podium and a microphone and everything. And then they were like, we'd like to introduce our speaker. And then they said her name and they called her up. And I was like, and this was my first speaker meeting ever. So I was like, oh my God, she's famous. <laughs> you know? And this like famous person was like talking to me. Um, and I heard my story. And that was the first mm -hmm. time that I had heard my story. This was like a young, well, she, you know, she's younger than I am, young woman. And, um, you know, she didn't like, she wasn't like homeless and drinking from, like a brown paper bag and, and you know she, I, I just identified with her so much and after the meeting she was like do you need and I she knew that I had just moved from Arizona and she was like um do you need are you looking for a sponsor and I was like no you know because I had a sponsor in Arizona right yep. I was, I, was like, I think I'm good and um, she was like well just here's my number if you change your mind and this is the time when you wrote your number down instead of like taking your phone out so she handed me a piece of paper and I called her and that was it. And um, it was wild. And I will share this too. Like she came to my house, you know, so we talked on the phone a little bit and then she came, well, came to my parents' house and was like, we were going to start the steps, you know? And um, she sat down and I knew that I had to tell her something because I was like, this something like inside of me feels like I need to exactly like the TMI, got to get it out. Yep. And this is like very early sobriety too. We're talking like four months without a drink. And um, I said to her, I smoke pot. Mm -hmm. And she just looked at me and said, do you have an honest desire to stop drinking? And I said, yes. And she said, then I have a responsibility to take you through the steps. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, this is a person well-versed in the traditions and understood that, um, like, everybody has a right to this and that um, anything else is an outside issue. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, certainly it's anybody's right to sponsor or not sponsor whoever they want, but you know, mm -hmm. I'm really grateful that this woman, like, like to me, that's God because I've talked to scores of people since who have all said, 
they never would have sponsored me, mm -hmm. you know, and she was willing to do that. And so, and, and it was never like a thing. Like she just would always, anytime we talked, she would always bring it up and she would say like, how's the smoking pot thing going? And like, are you praying about it? And blah. And like, that's what she would say to me. Mm -hmm. But you know, if she had said to me, you're not really sober. I mean, I clawed at, at my sobriety time. I clawed at not drinking. Mm -hmm. And so if she, if, if she had said something that made me feel like it, like it mm -hmm. didn't count, then I absolutely would have drank, mm -hmm. you know, and who knows what would have happened if, if that's, if I had done that. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so we kept working through the steps and I think I was about like on my eighth or ninth step, like somewhere around there. And we had actually just gone on a little field trip. We were trying to go on a field trip to GSO with her and my grand sponsor, but it was Good Friday, so they actually ended up being closed, but we still like stayed in the hotel together, oh. which like was very cool. And I don't remember anything about this experience except this moment where I saw my grand sponsor who was on such a pedestal for me, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Um, like I totally wanted what she had. And I saw her get down on her knees and pray before she went to bed. And like I didn't, I wasn't praying on my knees at that point. And um, this like blew my mind that she was doing this. And so I was like, okay, like I'm gonna do that. And I started praying on my knees. And that was the turning point for me of like, I don't even remember stopping smoking pot. I just know that 420 rolled around and I was like, oh my God, I don't even smoke pot anymore. <laughs> and so like, and, and so I actually ended up making that my new sobriety date. Cause I, you know, yes. talked about it with my sponsor and mm. was like, I, I had actually heard somebody sharing at a meeting and said that they like, smoked a joint or something and had to reset their sobriety date and I and I asked my sponsor I was like is that a thing do I have to like reset my sobriety date and she was like that's between you and God mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. and just pray about it and so I prayed about it and like something inside me knew that for me for me I did need to change my sobriety date and I was mm -hmm. like okay I'm I'm gonna do this and um it was super scary and I showed up at my home group and um I planned like I told two of the women in my network that like, okay, I'm gonna like tell everyone in my home group tonight that like I've been dishonest and that I'm, re I'm changing my sobriety date and like, so like I was accountable, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was like, don't let me chicken out, you know? Like I have to raise my hand and say this at this meeting. And we showed up at the meeting and the chairperson was not there. Mm -hmm. And um, so somebody asked me to chair the meeting. <laughs> And I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. And that was totally God working in my life. Because I think like if I wasn't chairing the meeting, there would have been an opportunity for me to be like, oh, there's so many people in this meeting or like, I'm not going to get called on or, you, you know, now. right. And so because I was chairing the meeting, I was like, all right, go time. Like, I just have to get this out. And, um, you know, that was uncomfortable but awesome and like what a freedom you mm -hmm. know to like have an honest sobriety date so I mean I don't really know I think it was probably around April 12th but I, I say um, April 20th because that was the day that I remembered like oh my god like I don't even do that anymore like um, mm -hmm. free from all substances like mind and mood altering substances and like what a gift mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, I definitely did the same thing, like multiple, yeah, like like very, very first like experience in AA, like I, I didn't stop smoking weed. I, I at least, yeah, like I didn't drink and I didn't do the other substances and that helped for a little while and then I changed my spray date and then I, re I mean, I'm multiple times was trying to make it work for me. But I love that, yeah, like your sponsor, because you needed that, like that was definitely God and like, because that's all it is, right? A sponsor just helps you develop your relationship with God and helps you find a new way of life. and. And what a gift like that makes me so grateful because now you're sitting here and like who knows like if it had been a different way yeah it's a weird thing because it's like you don't 
it's like, you know, I don't generally share about that because it's like, do, are you allowed to? You know, mm -hmm. there's sort of like, it's not like, and I don't know who we should ask about that. But like, maybe, maybe we need to edit this a little bit. But like, you know, are we allowed to talk about it? But I am, if that woman at that meeting hadn't shared about it, it wouldn't have occurred to me that it was like something I should look at, mm -hmm. you know? And because she shared about it, I, you know, I looked at it in myself. And like, I know, like for me, I knew, I knew that it was, um, getting in the way of my relationship with God because, and I have this like very vivid memory of like being on my bed and seeing somebody call, like an AA person call, but like I had just taken uh, a hit and yeah. so I didn't answer. And so yeah. that was the moment when I knew that like, because before then, prior to that, I was like, it doesn't, nothing bad ever happened to me as like for me personally, like mm -hmm. none of these, like the horrible things that happened to me as a result of drinking those things didn't happen to me when I was smoking pot. Like, mm -hmm. so I just sort of felt like it wasn't that big of a deal. And what I realized in that moment when I didn't answer the phone was that like, this is getting in the way of me being of service. Like I am, I am not mm -hmm. willing to be of service. This makes me selfish and self-centered. I'm only interested in what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And that was like, when I realized like, that's not what I want. And I don't think that's what God wants either. So for me, you know, it just wasn't going to work. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, love to anybody who has a different story, but like it's cool because a lot of people have this story and people send them my way. Yeah. You know, they're yeah. like, all right, we'll give you, I'll give you Nicole's number. She'll talk to you about this. Because, <laughs> but it's important, you know, like. Yeah. Our experiences, yeah, like I said, that's what I like about our experiences can help so many other people. There's so many, no one's unique in a situation, but it's nice that you have people that you can direct people to to handle like no certain situations better. And you know, I'm, it's part of my story too. You know what I mean? It's the same yeah. thing, it's all part of it. And it's like, what? Exactly, self-centeredness that I get when I would do it, and like it would get in the way of the program, and that's when I realized it's a problem too. But like I needed those experiences to continue to grow. You know, that's part of my journey. You know, getting here. Um, yeah, it just blocks me from God. Cause if I'm yes. relying on that to like get me to a, a different spiritual state, that I'm not relying on God. And then once, yeah, like now that I'm free from all of that, like I can I can get in meditation. I can feel that that peace, that, that center, that or I'm just filled like I'm filled with love and I feel like God's close to me and, and I could never get that with like alcohol or drugs. And like now like it is still rare when I get that spot, but I try, you know, every day I try to get there. And then when I do it like, ah, oh, this day is amazing and it's beautiful. <laughs> I love it. Um, but yeah, like I can't get that if I'm smoking. Like yeah. and you know, or drinking. And for me today, I know if I were to smoke today I would pick up a drink because if I'm high then I might as well just be drunk and mm. <laughs> I don't know how to stop as always. Yeah. Once I, once it starts, <laughs> yeah. it doesn't. I can't stop. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This was really great. Thanks yeah. for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so, oh, so I don't remember how we close this. <laughs> we close with the we version. Don't we say we covered it in the beginning? Okay. Yeah. All right. So let's close with the we version <laughs> of the serenity prayer. God, God grant us the serenity to accept the things we cannot change. change the courage to change the things we can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen.